Hey everyone, welcome to Goodbye Privacy, our second episode of this great, amazing, refreshing, stunning, off-the-hook podcast. I'm your host, James Azar. Find me on Twitter, James underscore Azar, A-Z-A-R-1. Follow me there or find the link below and engage with me on Twitter. Goodbye Privacy, second episode. Started this podcast out of a desire to really share various ways uh, we've given up our privacy and how the data cartels are using our information to make a buck and how we have essentially forfeited our privacy. Now, I've been asked to take this up, and, and people have asked me about this and why specifically this topic and why specifically uh, do a podcast on it for a few reasons. One, I feel like it's important we educate ourselves of how these companies use our data and our information. And if you haven't listened to our first episode and you're starting out in episode number two, I urge you to please go back listen to episode number one uh, we took a look at Facebook and we reviewed Facebook's terms and conditions. I picked Facebook out of a reason that it has 3.5 billion monthly users on its group of companies. And we're going to be talking about that in today's episode of how these organizations built a data cartel um, through acquisitions, through growth, and they're essentially intertwined in how that all kind of comes together and how we're made to think that one platform isn't as important as the other one, but that's not really the case. Now, a few things about this podcast. I promise you this. It will enlighten you. I promise you this. I will always shoot straight. And I also promise you that I will never, ever waver from giving you the truth. As ugly as it seems, as many enemies as it may create, we are going to discuss the topics that the mainstream media and other sources aren't really going after. We're going to talk about how these companies are controlling every single thing we do, following us everywhere. And just a little recap, in Facebook's terms and conditions, it clearly states that even though you're not on Facebook, they're still keeping track of you through their third-party data vendors. And when you think of that, you understand your rights have been violated. You have no control over your data whatsoever. And that, folks, is what this podcast is setting out to do. Create awareness and generate interest in how our data is viewed. Now, last week, um, there was a new bill that was put on the floor talking about privacy and data sharing and terms and conditions, the thing that we're addressing. And in our next episode, we're going to be talking exclusively about that bill. I'll also probably have on our other show, CyberHub Engage, Patrick Gall from the NTSC on to talk about the bill that was just getting pushed on the floor. And we'll, go, we'll, we'll, we'll be going over that next week as well. But the funny part of this podcast and really the most stunning part is I have to use the same platforms I'm going after for privacy to get this message across to you. Because if I don't, I have no way of connecting with your audience. And I know that's ironic. I know that could be looked as hypocritical. I look at it as having a specific amount of companies control so much of our daily lives, so much of the ways we communicate that there is no other way unless you're independent. And if you're independent, you got to have so much money to reach your crowd. 
And to reach your crowd, you got to go to these companies to get to the community that would want to hear your message. And that, folks, is what we're setting out to change. But without more to that, let's start talking about these data cartels. You can hashtag it, data cartels. If you're sharing this, please make sure you hashtag it, data cartels. They do exist. They're dressed as Fortune 1000 companies. They're wearing suits. They're making you feel good. But really, they're out there getting your data, making a dollar out of it, and not even sharing that dollar with you. And so I want to start off with something really simple in today's episode. I started talking about the terms and conditions and how easy it is for us to uh, agree on any legally binding document out there online by simply checking a box without even reading it. And how in a court of law, that's viewed as a contract. And everyone remembers the big Equifax data breach and how when people went to the Equifax data breach to register to essentially block their credit and pause their credit, they were agreeing not to sue Equifax and pursuing an uh, essentially a third-party solution outside of a class action lawsuit. And how Equifax quickly withdrew that, realizing that that's probably going to bring on congressional rage. But our government is set up in a way to avoid monopolies and give consumers rights, allegedly. That is the role of the government. In our other podcast on CyberHub Engage, I had a, a former LabMD CEO, Michael Daughtry, on. And we were talking about how the FTC went after him, uh, a cancer diagnostic lab, <laughs> of all things, for a alleged cyber breach, an alleged cyber breach, I'm sorry, that happened in 2008. It was an 11-year battle that cost Michael everything. And he received $13 million worth of free legal aid from some of the top law firms in the country to help him make uh, and, and build that battle. And that's on our other podcast called CyberHub Engage. If you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you go uh, subscribe and check out that episode with Michael Daughtry. But we spoke about how the FTC's role as the Federal Trade Commission is to ensure that organizations don't infringe on people's rights. And that as a commission, they're looking out for the citizens. And that's not the case at all. In fact, the data cartels, and we're going to talk about those here in just a sec, have been doing this on and off since MySpace and Facebook launched nearly 15 years ago. Really took took hold. Facebook's been around for, I think they just celebrated 20 years. Um. Last week, Google Plus died, and so it was alive for about eight, nine years, and in the internet world, that's that's a really long time, although it never really picked up, and the only reason it survived that long was because it was Google Plus, and Google really didn't care. It's making billions and billions and billions of dollars. It doesn't mind funding something until it either completely dies or becomes extremely successful, and in Google's Plus's case, it went dead. But there's more to it. There's a lot more to it. And I want to start talking about the data cartels. There's a few of them. But before I do that, and before we get started, I do want to um, introduce you guys to our sponsor, 
uh, for the goodbye privacy. So we're going to go um, hear a quick message from our sponsor, and we'll be right back after that. The CyberHub Engage podcast is sponsored by CyberHub Academy. Now, people have been asking me, what is CyberHub Academy? Well, just for the sake of full disclosure, before I get into it, I am a part of CyberHub Academy. My uh, partners there have uh, supported my vision for CyberHub Engage uh, in, turn, in, in return for their sponsorship. But they are cyber business operation experts. And that means that they help any size business operationalize cybersecurity, whether it be identifying threats, solving issues and problems, developing incident response plans, practicing incident response through tabletop exercises, and identifying different methods to maximize and really bring value out of your cybersecurity budget. We all know that cybersecurity budgets are tight and it typically doesn't start raining money until something happens. Well, these are the guys to help you make sure that if, God forbid, something does happen, you would have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. Make sure to support them and check them out, cyberhubacademy.com. And we are back. Big uh, shout out to our sponsor. So let's get started talking about these data cartels, right? So who are they? And to get started on data cartels, how do we establish where things go? So the first thing I did, believe it or not, I had to go to one of the data cartels to get this data. <laughs> if you guys remember early on in the internet days, there was a company by the name of Alexa. Today, Alexa is owned by Amazon. Hint, Alexa, go fetch me a newspaper. But Alexa ranks websites based on country and globally. So uh, right before I started this episode, uh, I went to Alexa looking at the uh, top 50 websites in the country. I'm going to give you the top 10. We'll go and see what else is on that list. Um, but here we go. So number one and two is Google and YouTube. One company owns both, but Google and YouTube are the top two websites in the country, followed by essentially Facebook, Amazon, Wikipedia, and Reddit. Topping off our top 10 at number seven is Yahoo, followed by Twitter, LinkedIn, and eBay, with Instagram being at 11. Now, mind you, this is measuring web traffic. Instagram is a mostly mobile app product. And we will pull a list when we start talking about apps in one of our next episodes. But I wanted to stick to online web traffic. So Twitter rounds out the top 10 at number 11. I'm sorry. Instagram wraps out the top 10 at number 11. Netflix at 12. Microsoft Online at 14. ESPN at 15. At number 16 is Pornhub. And then Live.com, which is uh, Microsoft's search engine at number 18, Craigslist at 19, PayPal at 22, Bing, the, uh, the uh, Microsoft search engine at 24, Pinterest at 28, Office.com, another Microsoft in the 30, GitHub, which is owned now by Microsoft at 31, Microsoft.com at 32, Hulu at 34, Salesforce at 36, Apple at 37, Yelp at 40, and let's see, 44 is Tumblr, and finally at number 50 is a website for porn. <laughs> that is the top 50. So... We round out our top 50, we look at the top 10, and if you and I were looking at the top 10 right now, we would see a few things. One, 
Google, Facebook, Amazon, Reddit, which is, I think, the only independent non-conglomerate, Yahoo, which is now owned by Verizon, Twitter, LinkedIn, and eBay and Instagram. So let's start talking about this real quick. So let's talk about Alphabet. If you want to know who Alphabet is, yes, these are the letters in the English language. It's also what Google did to separate its ownership. Alphabet is the company that essentially owns everything. And what I mean that they own everything, I mean they own everything. And it oversees Alphabet is the mothership. If you think of Independence Day with Will Smith and how him and uh, Jeff Goldblum get in the spacecraft, fly up into the mothership, dock in there, the aliens see him, they drop a bomb, try to get out to destroy all others. If you wanted to go after Google, you'd go after Alphabet. Because Alphabet owns everything Google does. And what I mean that it owns, I mean, folks, it owns. So let's talk about what does Alphabet own in alphabetical order. <laughs> Hence, we're trying to be cute. So <laughs> number one is Android, AdSense, Analytics, Era, AdMob, and Alerts. B, Blogger, Boston Dynamics, and Books. C, Calico, Cardboard, and Capital D for Google Drive, DeepMind, Design, and DoubleClick, which is the largest online marketing platform in the world. E is for Google Earth and Express. F is for Google Fiber, Five Flights, FeedBurner, Firebase, and Finance. G is obviously for the Google Search Engine, Gmail, Glass, and Groups. H is for Hangouts, and we just put that on there because it is a Google product, but its own business units. I is for Images, Ingress, Inbox, and Invite Media, another large media company owned by Google and Alphabet. Jump for J, K for Keep, L for Life Sciences, Local, and Loon. M is their Maps product, which we've all grown accustomed to. My Business, which is how you essentially list your business on the Google search engine. And Makani, which we will go into at a later episode. Here it gets interesting, folks. N is for Nest. You know that company that controls the temperature in your home. It is actually owned by Alphabet. There is an FTC complaint about the fact that they actually own that. And we'll be talking about that here shortly as well. News Nexus. Yes, folks. The Alphabet owns Nexus. And now... O is for Offers, that's the Google Offers platform. Uh, P is for uh, Google+, Plus, which died last week. Play, Photos, Picasa, Pixet, and Patents. Q is for the Nexus, Nexus Q, the research search engine. R is for Refine and Recapture, the Recapture product. S is for their search, Shopping, Sage TV, Stack Driver, Skybox, Skia, Scholar. T is for Translate and Tango, Tango the app. They have nothing in you, and that should not surprise you or me. V, they've got Voice, Ventures, Virus, Total, and Video. W, they've got the Google Wallet and Wing. X is their X Labs. Y is YouTube. And fi finally, add the letter Z, which is the second letter in my last name. There's Project Z and Zagat. And if you don't know what Zagat is, it is pretty much similar to OpenTable. So you go, wow. So... Number one and number two in world traffic in the U.S. And they're, they're, they're really in the top five globally when you look at that. But I'm really going to focus on the U.S. at least for the first about 10, 15 episodes of the show. And then we'll kind of go global. Um, so here we go. Google owned by Alphabet. 
runs Google, YouTube, and if you heard all the names on there, there's a few others that are owned by Google. Huge media giant, controls a ton, and they own a handful of companies. And I'm, when I'm talking about a handful, you heard me say all those names. I did not count them, but I'm pretty sure there's over 60 to 70 acquisitions there that are directly related to Alphabet, notwithstanding a bunch of joint ventures that they do. These are simply Alphabet, 100% owned companies. We're not looking at joint ventures. And I will, I will say that as we look at the other data cartels, we're going to be talking about that as well. So here's the thing. Twitter owns Periscope. Hmm which is essentially their live video uh, platform, uh, streaming platform. And Facebook has Facebook Live, YouTube has YouTube TV, YouTube Live, and the YouTube traditional product. And they're now all competing on the live video stream market, right? But then we've got LinkedIn. We're going to get into LinkedIn here for a second, and it's owned by Microsoft. So now the data cartels are starting to come together, right? Google owns all the search. YouTube, the number one video platform in the world by far. There's not a close second to YouTube in terms of video, folks. Number 12 is Netflix, and you got to pay to be on Netflix, and you can't put any of your own content on Netflix, right? So when you look at who has what in terms of video content, if my podcast where we posted on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitter, we don't post any video, we really post just a promo. We're essentially, all of our content is essentially controlled and delivered through three companies. Alphabet, Facebook, and Twitter. And Microsoft, four, sorry, four. All right. So here's the thing. I'm not going to go through the terms and conditions of these guys, because the point of this episode here is to really highlight how these data cartels have cornered the market. They've cornered the market. They've created a data monopoly. And um, next week, on our, um, if you go to our page, we have a form you can pre-register. And when you pre-register, we'll be able to send you the data cartel poster that you can actually order from our website at cyberhubengage.com. And that poster will show you how your data flows between these four or five big organizations. And we're going to go through that here in just a sec. So... These companies, how do they acquire our data? And then what are, what are they doing with this data? And we saw how Facebook uses our data and LinkedIn, Twitter, Google, they're all no different. The terms and conditions are literally identical. Word for word, it's the same. So let's go back a little bit. Let's look at the internet early in its days. Before all this when it was, you know, MSN, Yahoo, and Google was just a small little search engine that was really cool. Those days, the internet was used for really basic communication, right? Email and research. I remember, you know, when I was in high school and in my early days in the service, there, there were, we were using the internet for research. We weren't using it for connecting with friends or any of that. In fact, the internet to us was just a tool. Instead of having to go to the library and look through books, we'd go and use Google or, you know, Yahoo search engine or, you know, uh, Nexus or others for, for research. And it was an easier way than having to go through an encyclopedia or read an entire book to get information we were looking for. Having said that, those days of the internet is over. 
Today, the internet has changed significantly, and the way we use it has changed also because we no longer sit on a desktop in a library or at home to access the internet. We access the internet through our smartphones, through our tablets, through our laptops. We access it on touchscreens anywhere. We're constantly online. While the internet before was maybe an hour or two in the afternoon or evenings, maybe spend some time over the weekend, lime wire, <laughs> right? Now, everything is live on demand at our fingertips. We can get it right away. We didn't have to wait. You don't have to wait for the old dialing tone. You didn't have to wait for, you've got mail. Today, you get a bing. And if you ever want to know how, how, how people are attached to their devices, go anywhere you want, anywhere. And hear the standard ringtone. And watch how many people pull phones out of their pockets or in wallets and look to make sure that that message wasn't for them. Just a ding will get everyone pulling out their phones and looking down. If you want to kill someone and get away with it, just do five dings in a row, fire your weapon, and no one will know you did it because everyone's head's going to be buried in their phones. We talk about this device aspect of it, and we'll get into that in later episodes, but what data really matters to these companies? And I want to explore that topic because we as consumers, we all use Amazon and more and more of us shop on Amazon. Amazon has really, I mean, when you look, Amazon's the number fourth most visited website for shopping online. It's number one, followed by eBay, right? Which isn't a real shopping site. It's more of a bidding site where people go to try to find deals. But where does the next shopping site come in? And I'm going through, and I'd have to say I'm in the 30s, no other competition for Amazon as of yet. Apple at 37, but Apple's only electronics. So where's Walmart? Walmart's at number 41. Amazon's at number four. Walmart's at 41. Amazon controls, dominates. the online shopping and they've got it cornered but they didn't get there on their own amazon takes a lot of your data and if you ever go to an amazon website and you click and you're looking at maybe buying something and then later on you um, you go back to facebook you don't buy it all of a sudden the same product that you were looking at and similar products are on your facebook news feed linkedin feed twitter feed Reminding you, you've got something that you were looking at on Amazon. Well, how did that get there? Is that what's happening with my data? And I promised you in, in, in the last episode, we're going to go over what metadata is, cookies and pixels, and we will. That's going to be our whole next episode, episode number three of our show, Goodbye Privacy. But for today, I want to talk about these data cartels. So to begin, I wanted to review the structure. And we just looked at Google structure and how many companies they own. So I want to go now and talk about Twitter. Twitter really has seven companies that they own. They're really not the worst. 
Twitter has around 330 million active users. So they have 10% of what the Facebook dynasty has. And they're about 2.4 billion in revenue. But they own NIP, G-N-I-P, a social media application programming API aggregation company that they acquired in 2014. They own Magic Pony Technology, which is a machine learning company that improves uh, the delivery of photos and videos across different apps through Twitter. That was acquired for $150 million. Um, and then Twitter had acquired two other machine learning startups, WetLab in 15 and MadBits in 14. And in 2013, uh, when Twitter really needed to make money, they went and acquired MoPub Advertising Solutions for $350 million. That allowed them to start their advertising uh, platform and really build out on it. They also own Periscope, which they got for just under $100 million in uh, 2015. Tap Commerce, which is the mobile ad startup Tap Commerce, which does uh, app advertisement. They also own that. Telepart, which is a digital advertising uh, that boosts Twitter advertising revenue generated by ads. And finally, TweetDeck, a social media dashboard for management of Twitter accounts for over $40 million. So if you have multiple Twitter accounts, you go to TweetDeck, and through TweetDeck, you can post on multiple accounts simultaneously without having to log in and log out of different accounts. Really cool. That was a $40 million acquisition. That's what Twitter owns. So in the retrospect and grand scheme of things, I kind of wanted to start with Alphabet, very big, Twitter, which is the number one platform used by the president of the United States, Donald Trump. It's in fact how he decides policy and lets people know the next policy on different things. But then I want to I kind of switch now and let's go to Microsoft and LinkedIn. So LinkedIn um, ranked in Alexa as number, ten, number nine, I'm sorry, owned by Microsoft. So let's look at Microsoft's acquisition. So Microsoft went public in 86, but it started in 75. Bill Gates, Paul Allen, and they have been um, on this journey for quite some time. Before I continue on Microsoft, though, we'll take another really quick break to hear from our sponsor. The CyberHub Engage podcast is sponsored by CyberHub Academy. Now, people have been asking me, what is CyberHub Academy? Well, just for the sake of full disclosure, before I get into it, I am a part of CyberHub Academy. My uh, partners there have uh, supported my vision for CyberHub Engage uh, in, turn, in, in return for their sponsorship. But they are cyber business operation experts. And that means that they help any size business operationalize cybersecurity, whether it be identifying threats, solving issues and problems, developing incident response plans, practicing incident response through tabletop exercises, and identifying different methods to maximize and really bring value out of your cybersecurity budget. We all know that cybersecurity budgets are tight and it typically doesn't start raining money until something happens. Well, these are the guys to help you make sure that if, God forbid, something does happen, you would have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. Make sure to support them and check them out, cyberhubacademy.com. All right, so Microsoft. Microsoft has always been in the data game, right? They owned MSN, they owned AOL, they owned Hotmail, which was before Gmail. Hotmail was the most popular email platform on the planet. I know some people that still use Hotmail till today. Very little, but there's still some folks that are still on the same old Hotmail address for the last 20 years. 
But Microsoft acquired LinkedIn. And uh, that was in around 2016 that they bought into LinkedIn. They also own Skype. Hmm. Starting to kind of get a trend here. They also own Mojang, which is a Swedish-based video game studio known for creating uh, Minecraft. If you wondered who owns My Minecraft, it's Microsoft. Yammer, um, a social networking tool for private communications for businesses. So let's see, they have LinkedIn, they also own Skype, and they also own Yammer. All have to do with business. They obviously own Hotmail. They've owned Hotmail since its inception. Microsoft controls so much data that goes on online. It's absolutely unbelievable. And when you think of that, I want to move to... LinkedIn. So we looked at Microsoft, we focused in on Microsoft, and Microsoft owns LinkedIn. And this is the thing about these companies, because Microsoft is a publicly traded company, and it owns LinkedIn, LinkedIn has kind of went on on its own journey. And in that journey, LinkedIn has gone through 18 acquisitions since 2010. All from various um, different things. Most of them are web application or predictive sales and marketing tools. So here's what's interesting. Do you guys remember Linda, L-Y-N-D-A.com? The, um, essentially, the e-learning platform? LinkedIn owns them. Point Drive. That lets salespeople share visual content with prospective clients to help seal the deal. Also owned by LinkedIn. Connect Flyer, which is a recruiting company that was based out of Silicon Valley. They also bought them. Bright.com. That was a job matching engine that was being used by most of the job search engines out there that still is used till today. Is also owned by LinkedIn. LinkedIn has cornered itself as the leader in obtaining behavior and containing user behavior for businesses and employees. So when we look at it like this, in, in our first episode, we explored how what Facebook does and how it does it, and that's great, right? And I said they all have pretty much the same terms and conditions, but this is where the data cartels all come together. If you look at the data cartel, which we started with Google, Google controls all your search and viewing results. You wanna get an article, you wanna watch a video, you're using Alphabet and its cronies, which is Google and YouTube. That's the largest, most richest organization on the planet when it comes to your data. Microsoft, trailing closely in second, controls all business aspects. Office 365 is the most popular business tool for so many organizations. So many organizations sit on the Microsoft platform. And now they not only sit on the Microsoft platform, they interact via LinkedIn and Skype and Yammer. And you're training your employees through Linda as an e-learning platform, also owned by LinkedIn, which is owned by Microsoft. Has Microsoft completely cornered the business market 
and all the data it collects there. A niche within a niche for Microsoft and LinkedIn. Next, let's move to my dearest from episode number one, our star of goodbye privacy, Facebook and Instagram. Facebook has had 75 acquisitions since it started in 2005. And boy, is that list long. I want to go to their most famous acquisitions. Okay. So we all know that they acquired WhatsApp, the 1.5 billion users a month end-to-end encrypted messaging app. They also own Instagram, one of the most popular social networks on the planet. They own SportStream, a sports conversion analysis firm based out of the Bay Area. They own Oculus VR, the virtual reality technology. And Oculus is a very, very big deal because Facebook is making a very big push to go into the VR world and bring in VR into everyone's home. They've also bought Proto-Jewy, Proto-something. It's a company out of Finland, but it's, um, it's, it's essentially a fitness tracking app. But it is the biggest in Europe. Wit.ai, which is a speech recognition firm. And this list goes on and on and on. We will post this list on our website at cyberhubengage.com for you guys to see. They also own face.com. And face.com is a facial recognition platform. So, wow. And this list just keeps getting longer and longer. 75 acquisitions that Facebook has done to essentially corner the VR user experience and mobile advertising market, including photo management, aggregators, travel recommendations, internet applications, you name it, contact importer, which is what they acquired out of Malaysia in 2010, which is a way for them to import your contacts from your phone or any device onto the Facebook platform. We talked about that in a previous episode. And there you have it. But I started by giving out this example. Let's say you're on Facebook and you're on Facebook Messenger and you message, I message Micah, who's our director, and I go, hey, Micah, we need to get a new microphone for the podcast. And Micah and I were talking about this because it happened about a year ago before we started our podcast. I said, Micah, we should do some research on microphones. And so we went online to Google, we did a microphone search, read a bunch of blogs, all of a sudden those ended up on our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter news feeds. We then went to Amazon, looking at pricing and how that all fell within our budget to launch our podcast. Then everything we looked at at Amazon ended up in our news feeds. The microphones, the recorder, the cameras, you name it. And we realized that our data is being sold and marketed and pushed across all these different platforms. So we as consumers, and we're going to get to Amazon here in a minute. I've, I've saved the best for last. Jeff Bezos, if you haven't 
Uh, if you're not following us online at CyberHub Engage, we do have a great segment on CyberHub Engage that we post twice a week called Your Daily Dose of Cyber. And it's, you know, a, a great cyber or privacy story within 90 seconds. And last week we posted how Jeff Bezos claims that the Saudis hacked his phone. His security chief came out and said, we have proof that the Saudis hacked Jeff Bezos's phone using the NSO technology, the same technology that they used to kill allegedly uh, Jamal uh, uh the reporter in their embassy in their consulate, I'm sorry, in Istanbul um, in October of 2018. Here's the mix though, folks. Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Jamal Khojali, sorry, I, I speak Arabic, so I can't say it with an English accent. I have to say it with my uh, full Arabic to give respect to the alleged dead. Uh, <laughs> but worked for the Washington Post. Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. And about a month, a month and a half ago, this story with this uh, with Jamal Khojali pretty much died from news headlines. So is Jeff Bezos out to get the Saudis because he couldn't? using this specific story and is he blaming the saudis for it or does he th is there any truth if you want to figure out more about the story you can go to our cyberhubengage.com page click on daily dose of cyber watch it follow or you can uh, follow us on um, facebook linkedin twitter i know all the companies we're talking about but that's where we can get to you folks again not by a personal choice, but if you engage with us on CyberHub Engage or on Patreon, we do put a lot of exclusive content through our own website and Patreon where you can be members and part of the CyberHub Engage community. Uh, and that includes our other podcast, which is CyberHub Engage, where we interview chief information security officers from all over the country, talking about their cybersecurity, sharing best practices, figuring out ways to be more secure. We also, you can uh, tune into our this podcast, Goodbye Privacy and support us so if you go to patreon we have a ton of exclusive content including watching me on video for the whole time of this podcast so if you're a patreon member you get to see the whole video live you also get to ask questions bring out topics and interact with me and michael live here as we record this in the studio going forward so make sure you go to cyberhubengage.com or go to patreon.com forward slash cyberhubengage and support us there we do appreciate those who are supporting us we'd like to grow our community so that we're less reliant on um, our sponsors simply because of the nature of goodbye privacy we don't take money from any single advertiser without them understanding that we don't go easy and what i promise you in every single episode i will always shoot straight i'll always tell you the truth and that's the that's the whole point here so let's go back and talk about amazon oh amazon the shopping giant that's changed the way we buy i'm an amazon prime member myself i love Amazon, they provide a great service, but Amazon also, I don't use an Alexa. I don't. And the reason I don't use an Alexa, just to kind of give everyone the reason, I had an Alexa in my kitchen that I used. And I used to love to come home from work, go into the kitchen, and while I'm cooking dinner, I'd say, hey, Alexa, Give me today's latest headlines, or I want to listen to the Ben Shapiro podcast, or I want to hear the New York Times latest podcast, and it would go. I didn't need to look in the phone. It was a speaker. It had good volume, good sound. It was great. Until I started realizing that it was listening into my conversations with my wife. And I have a beautiful, amazing wife. I've known her for nine years. 
She's awesome, the best. And we were talking about going on vacation as we were eating dinner one night. And all of a sudden, on my Facebook news feed, I start to see vacation packages. <laughs> and I hadn't even done the search. We had done a preliminary conversation. So where did that come from? Started looking at it, examining it. And Alexa was connected to my Facebook account. And if you remember from a first episode, Facebook shares all the data that it has with third parties. It doesn't name those, th those third parties. But don't for one second believe that Jeff Bezos is against Mark Zuckerberg, is against Bill Gates, is against... These guys are all in bed for our information, folks, because that's how they make their money, using all this data and cross-marketing this data. They don't make billions of dollars by selling ads. They make billions and billions of dollars by trafficking our data. So, Amazon owns Alexa, which is the internet company I use for web ranking. And it proudly says it on their homepage. If you go to Alexa.com, it says, an Amazon company. Believe it or not, but Amazon owns 49%. Sorry, that's gone. The company was later purchased by Overstock.com. But Overstock.com was at one point owned by Amazon. Whew. They also own Joyo, which is the Chinese e-commerce website, one of the biggest competitors to Alibaba in China. They own Audible. And how many of us listen to our books through Audible? They own Z Zappos, which is an online shoe and apparel retailer. They also own Woot, Toby Press. They own the Book Depository and Yap. They also own Avalon Books, 10 Marks Education, Twitch. And over the last few years, they've really gotten into it. They bought into Nice, Cloud9, to build out their AWS product they bought souk.com which is the amazon of the middle east they bought whole foods they bought harvest.ai which is a farming ai company that helps farmers generate fruits and vegetables body labs they also own the ring doorbell you know that doorbell that everyone's pitching with shack and that's owned by amazon as well and now they bought into just literally this year, Glowdendor and Yes Network, where they bought a minority stake. Yes Network is the largest cable network in the world um, outside of the U.S. They are everywhere in the Middle East, Europe, and parts of Southeast Asia. Um, the com they're, they're compatible to AT&T, which we're going to get into AT&T and Verizon in, the, in, in one of our next episodes um, because they have a specific control and they control a specific set of data. So what does all this mean for us? Well, these are your data cartels, folks. Alphabet, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter. These are the big five data cartels, and everything goes and starts through them. You know why? Because it says so right here. The top five websites on the planet are Google, YouTube, Facebook, Amazon, and Wikipedia. And if you round out the top ten, it's Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That's everything, guys. The only thing they don't own that we know of 
is porn. <laughs> but they keep track of it. And I've said this time and time again. How do we control our data? In our next episode, we're going to talk about the new bill that's um, facing the House. We'll, um, also on the Cyber Hub Engage, we'll have Patrick Gall to talk about the new bill as well. And what it means to our privacy and what it means to organizations. But if we look at the top five data cartels, and let's start with Google. Google controls all of our online traffic. You want to go anywhere? You go to Google. Most people use a Gmail address, meaning that Google actually mines data on Gmail. YouTube, owned by Google, controls and tracks every single video you watch and see. Every single one. And then it shows you ads. Where does it get the ads from? Well, see, that's where it all comes together. Our data map that you can get at cyberhubengage.com or through patreon.com forward slash cyberhubengage by being one of our Patreon members. This data map shows you how our data is trafficked between these five companies at unprecedented levels. It's sold to advertisers and data analytics companies. In 2016, after the election, during the election, we heard a lot about all these different bots on social media. We heard stories of fake news stories that were coming out. How easy is it to manipulate this data? It's so easy, folks. It's so easy that we're on a quest to prove it to you in one of our next episodes. So these data cartels all traffic our data within themselves. And mainstream media makes it seem sometimes like these guys are all against each other, that Amazon's trying to beat Facebook, and Facebook's trying to beat Apple, and Apple's trying to beat Google. But they're not. They're not. And I have an entire episode dedicated to Apple, folks. An entire episode dedicated to Apple. I did not leave Apple out of here. A lot of you guys that listen to the Cyber Hub Engage podcast know I'm an Apple guy through and through and through. I didn't leave him out because they're Apple. I have an entire episode dedicated to Apple. But when we talk about how this works, when we talk about how these data cartels operate, they operate by sharing our information. They're not against one another. They're for one another. They need one another to make more money. Amazon needs Facebook to peddle more Amazon products so that it takes you back to Amazon to buy. Twitter needs YouTube because without YouTube, it doesn't get videos on its network. Instagram and Facebook need each other, but they also need WhatsApp. And Mark Zuckerberg saying that Facebook doesn't see WhatsApp messages in Congress was a blatant lie. I don't believe it for a minute. In fact, we just posted something on the TLS certificates that's supposed to be the most secure encryption key, that those, those decryption keys are out there in the web. A Georgia State study just proved it. We're going to have David Maimon on our Cyber Hub Engage uh, 
podcast to talk about just that aspect right there. So make sure you tune in, listen, and subscribe for that because we're going to be examining how even encrypted data isn't really encrypted. And these guys know it. They're not idiots. They're not morons. They know it. They can't turn a blind eye. Your business, if you're Facebook, if you're Twitter, if you're Microsoft, you're not in the service business. You're in the data business. And your customers is Amazon. Microsoft owns GitHub. GitHub is the top platform for developers. It's where you go when you get code. It's owned by Microsoft. Folks, these companies are closing in on what we do and no one's paying attention. Not the FTC, not the FCC, not the White House, definitely not our elected representatives in Congress and Senate. They couldn't give a rat's tail. And here we are having our data peddled with having no control over our data. You know how we know that? Because Facebook says, even if you don't have a Facebook account, you give them the right to get your data because you've given it to someone else who has a deal with Facebook. You know, we watch Hollywood movies and we hear people say, I'm going to be off the grid. How in the world could you be off the grid today? You can't even if you tried. A lot of us are just innocent to the fact that when we think of something or say something loudly with our friends, that it ends up showing up and we go, oh, wow, it's unbelievable. I was just thinking about this. Folks, that's no coincidence. If you wonder why more people are in debt, if you wonder why more people get super excited off an Amazon box on their front door than anything else. Understand these companies are watching, listening, and tracking everything we do. And I'm not trying to come off as a conspiracy theory saying you got to hide in a hole somewhere or in a cabin out in the woods. I'm guilty just like you are. The only difference is I want change. I still want to be able to use Facebook, but I want Facebook to have limited capabilities of how to track my data. And I want to have a say in how they share and cultivate my data. I want them held to a standard that a Russian company can't get geo-analytical data and use that to create separation within, my, within our country. And they need to be held accountable to that. I'm not a socialist and I'm not a communist and I'm definitely not a libertarian. I want common sense. Common sense says that someone needs to hold these organizations accountable. And given that our Congress is inapt of doing so, as consumers, we need to start demanding more and understanding more. Over the next few weeks and months, I'll be creating short tutorial videos of how to do the right privacy settings on your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn accounts. I'll post those on our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com forward slash cyberhubengage for our Patreon members to be able to see, get access, and understand how this limits every single data point that you've got out there and how you can use those. 
And I think the question we all have to ask ourselves is how did the product that we were talking about with our wife, husband, colleague, or coworker, friend, parents, whoever, that we were talking about in our smart home next to our Nest device, right? And, and, and I want to kind of bring up a few headlines here. So tech companies want to have a say in federal data privacy legislation. So this was a, um, an article that was published by Fortune magazine in, uh, on February 21st talking about how policymakers are talking to these companies about regulation. So you're asking Facebook how we should write a privacy law? Why would they change anything? They're getting everything. They're going to lobby and say, we don't need anything. Just pass any sort of law. I don't want a bullshit law passed that gives me the illusion of privacy. We are entitled to privacy, and we should be asking for it. Google isn't the voice to consult for privacy legislation. Neither is Facebook, Twitter, or Microsoft. But guess who shows up at those hearings in Congress? Those folks, those companies. Why? Ask yourself that question. When you think of it, the FTC, when Google bought Nest, and I'm looking for this article here, and I may not have it in front of me at the moment, but when Google bought Nest, hey, uh, Micah, can you hand me that paperwork that's going to be right over there? It has the Nest argument. You're going to get in frame. That's okay. People will see in frame. They'll know. No worries. But here's the deal. Consumers have an outcry. Give me that entire stack. I'll pull it out of there. Thank you. Um, so people know, and the FTC knows, so here we go. So a major privacy advocacy group is calling on the FTC to force Google to divest the Nest business after it failed to let consumers know about a hidden microphone in the Nest product. So Google bought Nest. Nest had a hidden microphone in a thermostat for your house. Why would you need a microphone in a thermostat in your house? Only God knows because a Nest is a nice little wheel that you turn that makes it easy and it's a supposed to be smart. So why does it have a microphone? Because it's listening in and collecting data. Because all these companies are in the data business. And I've got no problem. You want to collect this data, this data helps you make money, that's fine. I'm all for it because I'm a capitalist at heart, but pay me to do that. I'm sure there are people out there that are willing to give Google every single piece of their life for the right price. So Google should pay them pay them what's wrong with that pay me to use my data be my data broker google facebook twitter microsoft why not i'm gonna call it a day on the episode right now I'm going to end here. And I'm going to end here because I know that I can keep going on this topic for a lot more time, but I don't want to. I want to save it for next time. So if you're listening, thank you for listening to our Goodbye Privacy um, podcast. My name is James Azar. I'm your host. Follow me on Twitter under James underscore Azar1. I want to thank our um, our producer, Micah Smith, here for helping me out. (laughs) Kind of getting me some documents here in the last minute. You've seen them on our video, but if you go to uh, patreon.com forward slash cyber hub engage, you'll see Mike and I making fools out of ourselves to get a little bit of your money as well. But if you support us on Patreon, we'll be 
really, really appreciative of it. That's how we get funded. Um, that helps us continue our research, continue to grow, um, get more capabilities, get more people on here so that we can do better research, get, bring you better content. It's really not going to support us. It's really going to help us grow this podcast and bring you the kind of um, stories that you guys really care about. You can also interact with us on Patreon, ask us questions. There's so many different tiers on there, and it starts at $5 a month, goes all the way to, I think, $50 or $100 a month. So, And you get some really cool swag. So just make sure you go to uh, patreon.com forward slash cyberhubengage. The link is going to be below this video on all the great platforms we are judging and hating on for ruining our privacy. My name is James Hazar. You're listening to Goodbye Privacy. Next time on Goodbye Privacy. Cookies. They're delicious. But what do online cookies mean? And what are you agreeing to every time you say this website puts cookies and you have to agree? What is metadata? and so much more next time on Goodbye Privacy. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify to get the latest episode update. You want to get our alerts. We'll see you next time.